Welcome to The Trip Lab, kitchen table conversations about integrative medicine and psychedelics. I'm your host and resident physician, Dr. Mariella Wood. All right, let's get started. So in the last episode, I introduced you guys to what the podcast is going to be about. So we briefly talked about integrative medicine and psychedelics, but with this episode, I want to dive a little bit deeper into integrative medicine specifically. So we're going to talk about what it is, when you should go see an integrative medicine doctor, and we're going to kind of talk about an overview of all the types of medicine that are included in an integrative medicine approach, which includes psychedelics, of course. So, to put briefly, integrative medicine is an approach to medicine that combines conventional or traditional Western medicine that we learned in medical school with evidence-based complementary treatments like acupuncture, yoga, meditation, psychedelics, etc. While it is a specialty of medicine that requires extra training to become board certified in, it truly is more of an approach to medicine more than anything else focusing on finding the root cause of disease, preventing disease in the first place, and also just putting a lot of emphasis on nutrition and lifestyle. It's both a primary care and consultant-based model with a lot of work in oncology. So we work with oncologists and people who have cancer to optimize their health and provide other options as they go through chemo or surgery or radiation or the new immunotherapies. And as I stated earlier, integrative medicine integrates a lot of different medical practices from around the world, essentially. It is a field of medicine that is rapidly growing, and in my opinion, it is the future of healthcare. And I truly believe that every doctor will be required to have training in this approach, or more, this just will become the approach in medical school soon enough. Recently, many institutions have developed fellowships to train physicians to become board-certified in integrative medicine, which is what I plan on doing after residency. Many prestigious medical centers are leading the way, including the Osher Center at Harvard, Vanderbilt, Northwestern, UC San Francisco, and other institutions, one famous, uh, the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona. The fellowships at these institutions focus on teaching an integrative medicine approach to medicine and essentially just provide additional training in nutrition, botanicals, dietary supplements, mind-body medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, and essentially integrative approaches to other specialty care like women's health, mental health, cancer as we talked about, and a whole lot more. Integrative medicine is often lumped in and called either alternative or complementary or even sometimes Eastern medicine. So it's not quite all of those terms, even though people use those terms interchangeably. So let's break down what those terms actually are so we can know how they differentiate from integrative medicine. So alternative medicine is when a non-mainstream approach is used in place of conventional medicine. Complementary medicine is when a non-mainstream approach is used together with conventional medicine. And when I say non-mainstream approach, I mean something other than what we learn in medical school here in the West. You may have also heard the terms functional medicine, holistic medicine, naturopathy, or homeopathy. So those are all different approaches to medicine that I will talk about a little bit later. Now let's break down Eastern and Western medicine for a moment. 
What we call Western medicine can be traced back to the ancient Greeks and Hippocrates, who is known as the father of Western medicine. And his name is where we get the Hippocratic Oath that all doctors take when they graduate from medical school. Eastern medicine can be traced back much earlier than when Western medicine started, and it refers to a range of practices that essentially originated throughout Asia. While Western medicine traditionally focused on body systems and treating ailments and specific diseases and ultimately symptoms of the diseases, Eastern medicine focused on treating the whole person in order to treat the disease. Integrative medicine doesn't divide Eastern and Western medicine so distinctly, but its goal is actually to blend everything together. My hope is that in the future, we don't have to broadly categorize medicine as Eastern or Western, ultimately leading people to view one practice as superior to the other, but rather we're going to blend and integrate all of these practices together to provide the best healthcare that we can. When we talk about different approaches to medicine, we often like to define the tenets or philosophy or principles of that practice, very similar to a business's mission statement. So let me talk about the tenets or philosophy of integrative medicine. The first and most important aspect of integrative medicine is that it is a patient-centered approach to care. So the patient and the doctor are partners and equals, rather than the more traditional hierarchical relationship that our medical community has established. I always tell my patients that I may have spent the last 12 years of my life becoming an expert in medicine, but you have spent your whole life becoming an expert in your body. So now it's time for both of us to put our combined expertise together in order to create a treatment plan that works for you. Integrative medicine takes into consideration that everything is connected and that there is an infinite amount of factors that influence health, including the interaction of the different body systems together, the lifestyle of the patient, the patient's background and their home life, their mental health, their spirit, their community, and honestly, so much more. So everything is connected and everything is influenced in one way or another, some larger than others, but still everything influences a person and their health. Integrative medicine also takes a more open-minded approach to the idea that there are other forms of healing out there than the ones that we learn in our systems-based traditional medical training. This doesn't mean that we only use these alternative approaches, but rather, as I've stated I feel like a lot in this, in this podcast, it's about blending together practices from around the world into what we've traditionally learned. And in general, that means trying less invasive options first when it's appropriate. And of course, we do this with an evidence-based approach, as I talked about in my first episode. So if you want a more thorough explanation of what evidence-based medicine is, definitely go check that one out. But in short, it means that we study all of these forms of healing and use our scientific background to find out which treatments help, which hurt, and which we just don't know yet. Next, let's break down some other terms that I mentioned earlier. So functional medicine, homeopathy, naturopathy, and a few more terms that are often wrongly interchanged with what integrative medicine is. So first, osteopathic medicine. So I get this all the time that it is confused with homeopathy or naturopathy, but it's actually just one of the two types of medical schools that all medical doctors go to. We'll definitely do a full episode on osteopathic medicine because that's the type of doctor that I am, but for now, let me just give you a brief overview. You may have seen the letters DO after a doctor's name rather than MD. 
So to become a doctor in the United States, you can either go to osteopathic medical school, giving you a DO degree, or allopathic medical school, giving you an MD degree. There are about 40 DO schools and 150 MD schools, which is why you probably see a lot less DOs out there than MDs. So what's the difference? DOs get an additional training, minimum 200 hours required, in what is known as osteopathic manipulative treatment, or OMT for short. These are hands-on treatments that we can use to treat a variety of conditions like musculoskeletal disorders, an example being low back pain or arthritis, lymphatic disorders like swelling in your legs or poor immune system, or even other regulatory disorders like constipation. So our treatments are hands-on and are very similar to what chiropractors or physical therapists do. This OMT, which again stands for Osteopathic Manipulative Treatment, is just an extra tool that we have in our toolbox that we learn in medical school. And some specialties actually provide additional training and residency after, after medical school. My program does, which is one reason that I chose it. It can be a very useful skill for any specialty. Even the surgical specialties like general surgery or orthopedic surgery, because our hands-on training in anatomy and physical exam allows us to understand the body as a 3D system better. So the bottom line for this episode is that osteopathic, DO, or allopathic, MD medicine is just the donation of the type of medical school that your medical doctor went to. This is in contrast to naturopathy or homeopathy. So these practitioners can earn doctorate degrees in their fields, just like physical therapists do and chiropractors do, but they're not medical doctors that go to residency and become board certified by the American College of Physicians and Surgeons, like MDs or DOs are. Naturopathic medicine is a type of healthcare that puts a focus on using natural processes and nature to heal the body. So naturopathic doctors, or NDs, focus on the body's innate ability to heal itself, and they focus a lot of their treatments on supporting the body to do just that. Homeopathy is a type of medicine that essentially focuses on a less-is-more approach, one that sort of microdoses medications in order to stimulate the human defense system and its homeostatic, self-regulatory mechanisms. So this type of medicine definitely has the least amount of scientific data to support its theory, but people have been doing it for centuries. I will admit that this is something that I definitely am least familiar about, and I don't know any medical doctors that practice this type of medicine myself. Functional medicine is essentially a super individualized care that heavily utilizes laboratory tests. So a functional medicine approach can treat chronic diseases like hypothyroidism or diabetes, but it can also just optimize the body without having chronic disease. What's important to know is that not all functional medicine practitioners are medical doctors. There are a lot of medical doctors that choose to get certified in functional medicine, so keep that in mind as well. It can be a little bit confusing. So to recap all of these terms, osteopathic, which is the DO after your doctor's name, and allopathic, the MD after your doctor's name, is the traditional or conventional medical training that you have to have in order to practice medicine in the United States and as a licensed physician. Both these MDs and DOs must complete residency and further specialize to become board certified. Naturopathy is a type of medicine that focuses on natural healing modalities, and that's what 
NDs, with N as in naturopathic, Ds are. Homeopathy is a style of medicine that focuses on a less-is-more approach, and functional medicine is a style of medicine that is super individualized and very lab-focused. And then we have integrative medicine, which, as you may expect, integrates many different types of practices into our traditional medical practice. And again, by traditional, I mean the type of medicine that MDs and DOs learn in medical school. So while integrative doctors may work with and consult naturopathics or functional medicine doctors, or even get certified in functional medicine themselves, that's not all that integrative medicine is. So it integrates a lot of the other Eastern medical practices that we talked about earlier. So this means acupuncture, yoga, herbal medicine, even dance as medicine and music, and of course, psychedelics. So let's dive in just a little bit deeper onto some of those practices and give you some more examples of what you can expect an integrative medicine doctor to prescribe you, essentially. And this podcast is indeed called The Trip Lab, so I have to start with psychedelic medicine, of course. Psychedelics are compounds, also known as hallucinogens or empathogens, that essentially cause an altered state of consciousness. The classic psychedelics are psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms or shrooms, LSD, which is acid, DMT, which is found in the ceremonial tea ayahuasca, and mescaline, which is found in the peyote and San Pedro cactus. So these compounds, with the exception of acid, have been around for thousands of years and have been used for holistic healing and spiritual purposes. In the 1940s and 50s, LSD was discovered, which sparked further research into psilocybin and the other compounds as well, to be actually used by psychiatrists for psychotherapy and to treat other psychiatric disorders like anxiety, depression, and alcohol use disorder. Once people started to use them recreationally, and for a variety of unwarranted reasons, which we will definitely talk about later, they were all banned and developed their unrightfully scary reputation. I say unrightfully for a reason, and we will definitely dive deeper into that later. Then, in the 90s, people started to do research on them again, and in the past few years, we have seen a boom in the scientific data. So, we are officially in what is known as the psychedelic renaissance. Other psychedelic light compounds, including ketamine and MDMA, which is molly or ecstasy, are also being studied, and we'll talk about those too. So, all of these compounds are currently being used to treat a variety of psychiatric disorders like depression, anxiety, PTSD, addiction, either to tobacco or alcohol or opioids, and other pain disorders as well. There's also a lot of studies being done just to improve quality of life and to boost creativity, too. So the neuroscience of how these molecules do all of the above is fascinating. And honestly, it's taking everything that I can to hold back and not dive deep into that right now. I don't want to overwhelm you guys since this episode is a little bit longer and about integrative medicine. And I really do want to do each compound justice and really dive into how they work from a neuroscience and clinical perspective. So before I get ahead of myself and completely hijack this episode, let's let's talk about some of the other practices that integrative medicine doctors integrate into their practice. Probably one of the most well-known is acupuncture. So this involves the insertion of very thin needles into strategic places in your body through the skin. 
It is part of traditional Chinese medicine, and in that practice, it's traditionally thought to facilitate the balance of the flow of qi, or energy, or life force. From a scientific lens, inserting needles into specific areas will stimulate nerves, muscles, and connective tissue, ultimately increasing blood flow to that area and lymphatic drainage from that area, which is how we think that this treatment modality actually aids in healing. Very similar to how microneedling works to improve wrinkles or fine lines, if you induce a little bit of microtrauma to an area, you're going to stimulate all of these cells to start producing collagen and all these sorts of things that help with healing. Acupuncture specifically is used to aid in so many different treatments, and we'll definitely do multiple episodes about acupuncture, but some notable ones are nausea from chemotherapy, or just nausea in general, low back pain or other muscle pains, migraines and headaches, stress, high blood pressure, and a whole lot more. Another aspect of traditional Chinese medicine is Tai Chi and other herbal remedies as well. Ayurveda, which translates literally to the knowledge of life, is a practice originating in India that involves the understanding that everything in your body and in life is connected. The philosophy and explanations focus on the five elements, so air, fire, water, earth, and ether. The goal is to have a balance of those philosophical and literal essences in your body and in your life. So treatments that are part of Ayurveda, yoga, massage, also herbal medicine, and of course a big focus on nutrition as well. Yoga is an amazing tool that I pretty much prescribe to every single one of my patients. Just because it has a unique physical flow requiring simultaneous strength, balance, and flexibility, making it excellent for chronic pain, decreasing inflammation, reducing stress, and a whole lot more that I also am very excited to talk about in later episodes. Another complementary treatment modality is mind-body medicine, which again, another one that I find absolutely fascinating, especially when looking at the neuropsychology of how it works. The idea is that you can use your thoughts and emotions to influence your physical health. This is sort of why the mind over matter idea actually seems to work, or walking in a room with confidence will give you a much higher chance of nailing the job than if you act timid or shy. Examples of mind-body medicine include biofeedback, in which people actually attempt to reduce stress, leading to lower, lowering their blood pressure and their heart rates. Cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a mainstay in psychology for many, many years, is also a part of this. Mind-body medicine can also just mean relaxation techniques, visualization, or meditation. Another sector that is similar to mind-body medicine is art therapy, or dance therapy, or music as medicine, or even nature as therapy. And another huge and probably obvious part of integrative medicine is nutrition. Health is so intimately connected with nutrition and healthy movement, so really studying nutrients and how they work in the body is essential. Also, the act of working with food and cooking a delicious meal can also be very therapeutic and blends together that nutrition component with mind-body medicine. The last treatment that I will touch on today, which certainly does not exhaust the list of integrative medicine by any means, is herbal medicine and nutritional supplements. So, this is sort of a hot topic with a lot of controversy, and in my mind, this is where pharmaceuticals meet natural medicine, which can be good and bad, as I'll kind of explain. 
So the lines get blurred, and a lot of the claims that are made by these natural medicine companies are not totally accurate. So there are some herbs and natural supplements that do indeed work very well. One example that I prescribe to patients is cumin to treat osteoarthritis. Collagen supplementation has also been proven to improve skin and reduce wrinkles and all that sort of stuff too. But what I want to emphasize is that the studies that have proven to work require specific doses of those supplements. But a lot of the supplement companies, which actually might have real collagen or blue algae or whatever it is, they actually will have that compound in the supplement, but it's at a microdose that is far less than the amount is required to treat the specific problem. Or they'll give it to you in a form that your body doesn't actually digest. So let me give you a couple examples. So for cumin, since I mentioned that earlier, Studies have shown that around 1,500 milligrams or more is effective in reducing the inflammation associated with osteoarthritis. So then, if a supplement company is offering a multi-supplement capsule that includes 50 milligrams of cumin, it probably isn't going to do a whole lot for you in terms of anti-inflammatory properties. It might, but what's been proven in the literature is your dose, 1,500 milligrams as opposed to, let's say, 50 Another example with mushroom supplements, and I'm talking lion's mane or chaga, not the magic mushrooms, but the other ones that have been shown to boost mental clarity and performance that are not psychoactive. Many of these supplement companies offer the mushrooms in ground powder form. However, the tricky part with that is that our body can't readily digest the cell membrane of the mushroom. So you're actually not really getting a whole lot of the active ingredients of the mushrooms when you eat them whole or uncooked or in a powdered form. So you need to cook them or extract the ingredients into a tincture in order to actually absorb it. Okay, last I want to end you with, when should you see an integrative medicine doctor? And the answer is, as you probably guessed from this episode, is pretty much for anything. You can go to an integrative medicine doctor for any well checkup or primary care or any specialty or problem-based visit. To get board certified in integrative medicine, you have to be first board certified in another field of medicine. So internal medicine or family medicine, both traditionally the primary care tract, or even psychiatry, OBGYNs, gastroenterology, Any specialty of medicine can also get board certified in integrative medicine. So you can go to any one of these doctors that takes an integrative medicine approach. Or you can see a doctor that solely practices integrative medicine as a consult alongside any primary care or specialty doctor. So I hope you see that overall, integrative medicine is really broad and, in my opinion, really fascinating and a more philosophical and holistic approach to traditional medicine. Thanks for listening. Next episode, we will definitely be doing a dedicated episode on one or more of the psychedelics. So stay tuned and we'll chat soon. 